This episode of Making Games is Fun is with Jim Unwin. Jim is a game artist and a UI and UX dev who started in the industry many, many years ago. I don't think you'll mind me saying that. Uh, working for Core Design. He's been to a huge variety of places. He's currently at Glowmade, who are yet another talented Guildford-based indie developer. So I met Jim in Loading Bar in Brighton to discuss Jim's early gaming memories, the path his career took to where he is today, the massive influence of the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, in making video games cool, and what his role in that movement was. And how being, to quote Jim himself, a bit of a dickhead has held him back in the early days, whilst also teaching him some important lessons. It was really interesting to get an insight on how the industry's changed over the years through the eyes of someone who's worked on everything from Jaguar XJ220 to Little Big Planet. He's, he's seen it all, really, Jim. So it was great to have a big old chat with him. Uh, he's a lovely bloke, despite his... Uh, <laughs> his insistence that he is or was a dickhead. <laughs> I don't think he's a dickhead. He's very good. Also, shout out to Loading Bar Brighton for letting us record in there. Quick reminder of the Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash M-G-I-F, you can see a couple of different tier options there and just give us a tiny, tiny bit of your money to support the podcast and the creation of new ones in the future. And that is all the advertising I'm going to do to you. I promise. So, get ready for the latest episode of Making Games is Fun with Jim Unwin. my first time in Loading Bar in Brighton actually. Not been down before, but it's nice, it's nice. Find a little corner table. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Getting on your coffees. Uh, there's a Street Fighter 2 pinball table which I'm gonna have to have a go at later. Yeah, I saw that and thought, oh uh, that's that's why I've really been invited here. It's just an excuse. <laughs> just play that. It's all built around that as I need to play that. Um, we had a little pre chat about the, the history of Jim. <laughs> <laughs> the long and slightly dull history of Jim. <laughs> the story so far. Yeah. First games that you remember playing. First games I remember playing are Joust mm -hmm. and Elite in particular on my friend Dan Barrett's BBC Micro. So we used to go around to his house after school. So he had the BBC Micro. He had the, yeah. Uh, his parents were kind of um, fairly smart scientist types, like actual, like, right. you know, his dad is actually a brain scientist. Um, so they had the BBC Micro, so we used to go down and we used to play games on that. And yeah, very kind of, and Elite in particular, 
just been kind of like blown away mm. by that world and by the 3D-ness and by yeah. the, you, you know, the, what would probably not work now, but at the time was just like, I'm in a spaceship and I'm <laughs> trying to spin the spaceship to, to put it in this kind of um, uh, spaceport. And yeah, just, just the, the kind of the, the sense of awe at that as an experience and that as a universe. Yeah, and it, yeah, it was around the same time I got my first computer, which was a Spectrum Plus 3, which is the Spectrum nobody bought. I've had two Spectrum owners in a row now. I'm a Commodore 64 account. <laughs> this, this is um, upsetting. It was, I was <laughs> of an age, and it was of a time when my dad went into a shop and spoke to a guy and made a decision, and yep. that's what you got. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was a Spectrum Plus 3, which he was assured that everyone was going to move to these discs, which nobody did, and you could never get games for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was around that time. It was myself and uh, another friend started learning basic and trying to put together our own games. And I remember quite distinctly kind of like drawing stuff out on paper right. to then put in as a kind of an array yeah. in the game to draw the sprites and doing everything in what I imagine was a very long-winded way. Uh-huh. Um, what age would you be then? Must have been 12-ish, I right. guess. Um, yeah, must have been around that kind of age. Just yeah. think about like starting secondary school and yeah. it was with Sam, Sam Baker, who I didn't meet until sec- secondary school. So, Right, right, yeah. And just having that go at... So it was more of a... I presume it wasn't a, a career consideration to go, well, we're going to try and learn how to make games and then turn that into something. It was more of a, we like these games, we're interested in how they tick and how they work. And uh, well, at that age, you don't have a concept of, like, career. No. You're still like, I'm going to be a pilot, I'm going to be an astronaut, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make video games. Um, yeah. And that's before... Yeah, real life and exams and all of that sort of stuff actually kind of comes down on you. Yeah. And, it, you know, at that time, you're not even thinking necessarily about that. No. Or not thinking about the realistic path from you as a 12-year-old to you as a 21-year-old coming out of university and looking for a mm. job. You're kind of... You're, my brain certainly... Well, you know, maybe has never been in that position, but certainly yeah. at that time wasn't <laughs> in that position. Um, and yeah, it was around that time that I started doing drawings and kind of, I, I guess I, I kind of graduated from sending drawings to Tony Hart mm. on Heartbeat, sending drawings to game studios <laughs> and stuff. Um, yeah. Which is how I got my first, which is how I got my first job, essentially. Right. So, and what age would that be? Well, I got my first job offer at, well, my first offer of an interview at 13, 14. Okay. So I was, yeah, I was just doing drawings and sending them out to people. Um, <laughs> and this must have been pre-owning my first Amiga, or maybe around that time, I guess. Um, I should really write this all out, like figure I know, out but a timeline of like time was how old I was and what computers I got. <laughs> um, but yeah, I turned out sending out all of these drawings, um, 
my the crowning glory of which was I got a postcard back from John Blanche at Games Workshop saying, thanks for the drawings, Jim, keep going. Um, Excellent. Which at the time I was just like, because he was doing covers for White Dwarf and stuff, and I was well into that kind of that that kind of Warhammer stuff at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean and, a lot, yeah. yeah. I mean a lot of the time, right? It's and the, the world building and all that stuff. A bit tangent. Um, so sending out all these drawings, and I got a phone call from Core Design, from one of the, the, the Heath Smith brothers who was running Core Design at the time, <laughs> saying, thanks for sending in the drawings. Do you want to come in for an interview? <laughs> and 13, 14-year-old me was like, I can't. My voice hasn't broken yet. I've got to do my GCSEs. Um, but I had that introduction and coincidentally, uh, halfway through my GCSEs, I actually moved from where I was, which was kind of down in Buckinghamshire, up to Derbyshire. So right. half an hour down the road from them. And then I was kind of coming up to work experience time. Hmm. And I was like, hi, remember me? Yeah. And they were like, oh yeah yeah you're the guy whose voice hadn't broken um, and I was like <laughs> I'm looking for work experience and they're like well sure come in come in and do a couple of weeks work experience right so however old I was at the time 17 I guess by that point kind of A level work experience mm. um, but I went in and did some work on Jaguar XJS 220 oh yeah which I think at the time we were doing a version for the Sega CD. Oh, really? So they'd already done the Amiga version, and then we were doing another version. And we did. A, there were a couple of extra levels in there. All the um, extra space on the CD, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's <laughs> let's fill it up with two more pixel art backgrounds. Um, <laughs> so I think I did like the Germany background and the Egypt background. So is this in the in the level the background for yeah. the stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did that? So this is me. I am. Well into this sort of stuff now, so this is like it'll be fifty percent of our audience will be going, okay, I'm too young for this. <laughs> <The other half laughs> more like, like seventy five percent, I am. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so in terms of how that looked, were you just doing a single sort of? Uh, was it a single image that the? Yes, program was it was. So it was a single bitmap image made yeah. in deluxe paint. Yes. Yes. Shout out to deluxe paint. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I know at some point in this transition from their kind of first job offer to me doing work experience, I kind of graduated from Spectrum to Amiga, mm. and I'd kind of started learning Deluxe Paint, which at the time is what everybody did everything in, as far as I could tell. This is pre-Photoshop. Everyone wanted to make that photo of two, that picture of the Tutankhamun, Tutankhamun right, yeah. kind of picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so had you used it before you went. You yes. Had yeah, yeah. I was using it at home. Uh, on my little Amiga um, so yeah it was a single short wide bitmap which mm. looped and this was kind of like pixel art when that was just how you did game art so before pixel art was like a stylistic choice it yes. was you were in there with a limited palette yeah. you were doing hand stippling pixel by pixel with a mouse and stuff like that and that's just how yeah. just how it worked the cake got made because um, <laughs> it makes sense to me with with uh, respect to um, you know a fighting game or something like that because you've just got this this background and it'll scroll as you go this way it'll scroll yeah, as your characters yeah, yeah. go that way um, well obviously with your with something like a driving game you're driving into the into the image as it were so you've got like a sense of 
of, of moving forward rather than just left and right, right? So how, how, does that, how did that stuff work in terms of... It didn't. It just, the background <laughs> just stayed in the background and just scrolled left and right. And I, I guess maybe up and down as you were kind of going up and down hills. Mm. And then it, there was just like... Right, and the other the objects would be like your ground, trees. And yeah, and then you kind of had to like your billboard, yeah, trees kind of coming towards you. And that kind of bend, I guess. Yeah. That's amazing. So you did a, you did a couple of backgrounds for yeah. the uh, various stages. And then, yeah, went back to school and, <laughs> and yeah, kind of flunked GCSEs, did even worse at A-levels. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thought, oh. And then uh, at some point you ended up back there. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so, so, yeah, did GCSEs, did A-levels, did fairly poorly in my A-levels, went and did an art foundation, um, which was essentially a year of kind of doing quite a lot of drugs and not a lot of studying, <laughs> yeah, um, okay. and finished that. <laughs> I spent a lot of time as a kid applying my intelligence and doing the bare minimum of work, like doing enough to kind of yeah. scrape through. Sure. But rather than spending my energy doing well, it was kind of like spending my energy kind of doing the minimum Yeah, I could get away with, I had to get away with, and then <laughs> yeah. doing other things. Sure. Um, Sounds familiar, yeah. But I kind of, I made a real mess of my kind of art foundation in the sense that I never completed it. And I didn't realise until quite a while after the event. Oh, right. Because I just kind of moved on. Um, right. And I think it was only actually when my brother went and did his art foundation, they were like, oh, you're, you're the younger brother of that guy who never actually finished the course. Um, <laughs> so they didn't inform you or they didn't? Well, I just kind of pissed off, basically. <laughs> and they were probably like, well, he was a loser. Um, and I was like, I don't need you losers. So you were just I was waiting, also, but, yeah. you know... I, I, as you often are at kind of 19, you're convinced of your own genius. And you're, kind yeah. of, you're still in that mindset of somebody's going to discover me. And It'll then, sort of then yeah, all of these losers, you're going to see you were wrong. Um, and, you know, 41 now. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's, that's just not going to happen, actually. Is it? That, was, <laughs> that was a silly mistake. Uh, but anyway, so I finished my art foundation, didn't do so well, got back in touch with core design. And they were like, come in, interview again. Um, Huh. and let's chat and I have an aptitude for computers uh, and I can't even remember and I guess I must have had a PC at home at this point because um, we were moving on to use, doing games in 3DS Max 3DS Max 1 like the original version of it yeah um, but I went into core design back to core design around the time so just after they'd done Tomb Raider 1 Right, so just after they... Tomb Raider 1, 1, like yeah, the first like, one on yeah, the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, and they were working on Tomb Raider 2, and they basically... So you remember at the time, like, Lara Croft was on literally everything. She was on every magazine cover. Yeah. She was on Serial Packet. She was on Crisp Packet. She was yeah. on Billboard. She was on yeah. Sadik. Uh, on and on and on and on. Lara Croft everywhere. Uh, and one of the reasons they managed this... And they were incredibly smart about this, I thought. Yeah. Um, was Core Design and IDOS would just go out to publishers and say, if you put Lara Croft on your thing, we will give you an exclusive Lara Croft image. Right. Um, and they had three of us in a room cranking out what at the time were high fidelity renders yeah. of Lara Croft. 
and yeah. so I went and did that for a while <laughs> uh, and there were three of us and it was literally three of us in our own little room yeah. we'd get requests can we have Lara Croft doing this can we have Lara Croft in scuba gear can we have Lara Croft kind of doing this sort of thing right. or you know um, it was fairly cynical um, yeah. yeah did that for a year or so and a then year. so that was a full time concern yeah for a, it was a, a full time job three of you as well yeah three of us that's, cranking them out that is amazing um, so how many do you do a week like I couldn't actually tell you no. it's probably one a week yeah is that each um, or like each yeah, yeah. I think um, still, that's a lot for a and you still see them if you if you google search Lara Croft there's yeah. still a couple which still crop up yeah a couple yeah. of mine let alone the kind of the other guys yeah I wonder what they're doing now it's amazing really and because I remember I think a while, quite a long time ago it was with I was doing a shoot with Games TM uh, where we had Ian Livingston and Moynihan talking to each other. Yeah, and he mentioned it then about that kind of you know there's a that kind of marketing campaign to to make her an icon and 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 they knew they had something a bit different and a little yeah. and a little bit special there and they thought well let's let's put her out there as as a as a as a real character like she was a fashion model like she was a uh, an actor you know and and make that that sense of celebrity around her and yeah and it, and it, yeah and obviously it, it worked really well you know and that was interesting because but to the extent i was previously unaware of the fact that there's three of you there like for a year <laughs> making these things for different magazine covers for because i mean she went beyond game magazine covers of course didn't she and she had, she was Esquire or something like that? Um, that, that she right? was on Face Magazine. Was it Face Magazine? Let's call it like the kind of fashion, yeah, kind yeah. of culture thing. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and she was yeah, yeah on yeah. everything. It's very um, smart. It is very smart, yeah. That's amazing. And I don't think you. there's been anything like that since. No. Really, either. Um, Just found that time where that was at its most potent, really. Yeah, like yeah, idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a combination of... And, I, I, you know, I'm, again, it's... I don't want to kind of diss Ian Livingstone and the kind of, you know, the, 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 the kind of the Heath Smith brothers and all those kind of guys who were involved in it, like their, their kind of contribution. But I think it was just, or it, it wasn't just, it was partly yeah. uh, the right time and the right place. And, you know, yeah. kind of did it. For sure. With the PlayStation and stuff. And the PlayStation itself was like a thing as well. Yeah. Like it's kind of this cool piece of kit. Yeah. That people so actually, wanted. That was kind of like out of kind of kids' bedrooms and into being something mm. desirable uh, and something fashionable. Um, yeah. Games like Wipeout and kind of all the Designers Republic stuff for that as well. And then yeah. Lara Croft. And the, yeah, there was this kind Riding of like wave. sense of... I wonder if that was before or after or, well, the same time as um, they had like, um, what's his face, Chris Cunningham making the adverts for PlayStation. Which is the guy who did... Uh, yeah, was that PlayStation uh, 1 or 2? Or was it 2? Maybe I don't that know. was 2. Oh. Could have been 1. Um, I'm going to learn, think about that off the top of my own head without using any sort of Google at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take my brain a few seconds. For the audience at home, he's definitely not Googling anything. <laughs> While um, I am sat here, the guest forced to fill... Looks and like this will probably all be cut. 99. Yeah, PlayStation 1. Wow. So, yes, we're back, and I haven't Googled it, honest. But, uh, yes, 99. So, it was it was around the same time as PlayStation 1. And, of course, someone like him was just... You get someone who is cool and sort of 
talented and you know very much of that time having someone like him on board it's just yeah. you see yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. direction was going so like riding that wave and, and, and taking that idea farther is exactly the great timing actually so I mean you could say it's lucky but also you could say that they've seen what the wave was and they thought well how about we get on that in our own way and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What was the, do you remember what the office was like at all just in general do you remember what, where was it actually Derby in Derby yeah what yeah and it was size? just um, I couldn't honestly tell you. It was small. Yeah, sure. Uh, I can't imagine the whole building was more than 50 people, right. if that. And they probably had a couple of projects on the go, as well as Tomb Raider. Um, in the Tomb Raider room, people working on Tomb Raider 2 directly can't be more than 20 people. Right, yeah. So similar to a sort of a... Probably less, a so mini-mini. Like an indie studio, like a, a bigger indie studio these yeah. days, basically. Yeah, um, but the industry—it it was tiny then, which is why lazy chances like me could still <laughs> kind of like. Um, yeah, do you, how do you think get you're a fair break? Now, yeah. <laughs> I think I would stand zero chance, and quite <laughs> correctly as well. I'd be like, "Out on your fucking ear, man!" <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, again, at the time, like pre PlayStation, it's like you could be a hobbyist and kind of develop your skills in a portfolio yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Just footling around in your spare time. Um, while now the technology is much more accessible, much more understood, much more part of... You know, you didn't have to... Then it was like you were you chose to be into computers. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like you went around everybody's house and everybody had... You know, it, very few people would have a computer. Even few people would have a computer and then have deluxe paint on it. Sure, yeah. Like, it, it kind of, in terms of kind of kids. Well, now everybody has access to a laptop, they have access to iPads. Yeah. They have an understanding of this as kind of part of, you know, this is part of life, this is something you use every day. And they're kind of like, the, the base level of kind of understanding um, yeah. has, has kind of gone up. Anybody can get Unity. Anybody can download Yeah. any number of kind of like, yeah. pieces of art software and just that kind of like base level of kind of skill and experience people need yeah. is, is considerably higher now. you'd even have just there's just the surprise of having someone interested in that stuff and, and contacting yeah, 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 you yeah. saying yeah, I'm totally, interested in this totally, yeah. I've done stuff you think oh okay well let's see what they're like then yeah. it was a much smaller pond yeah. you were kind of splashing in and you know and this predates like the idea of people needing engineering degrees yeah let alone yeah games design degrees and stuff like that none of which kind of existed then I, I think there's an argument that there's lots of the industry that's still not caught up yeah, with that I think so um, in terms of attitudes in terms of professionalism yeah um, yes in terms of how we structure yeah. games and projects and like loads of kind of it, Still feels like there's a lot to work out in those in those yeah. respects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without putting any particular blame on anyone in any direction, it's just that that stuff is still catching up. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and you know, there's a lot of guys like me who are like, well, I made a game like this on the Spectrum, and I'm gonna, you know, and I think the same rules still apply when I'm working with a team of 200 on the PlayStation Five. Like, oh, no, maybe no. not. It doesn't work like that. I don't think. No. Um, 
I don't know, maybe it needs 20 years and everyone like me to be retired or dead. And then we can kind of <laughs> like, you know, grow up a bit. Um, but I do, you know, and like looking back at core design, for instance, um, and again, I don't think this is like a core design culture thing, but, you know, you'd see people looking at porn in the office and stuff like that. It was very sure. male-led. Um, <laughs> Just in the office as well. Yeah, right? and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> huh? Um, yeah. And especially that, like, I always think about the 90s, sort of that that era when um, the console mags sort of bled into a, the lads mag. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aesthetic. <laughs> shall we say, or style guide. Um, and there was very much like a, a huge crossover there. And things like, oh, I was looking, watching back things like Games Master, the TV show on it. And just, and I must have been about 13 to, to 18 watching that. And obviously laser focused at teenage boys. And it's just, yeah. you know, they yeah, always yeah, have yeah. the girls out in the various themed outfits, depending on, you know, where the... The, uh, what set they had for that series and that kind of thing and and like the presenter letching over guests and uh, you know they're ringing page three models to play like Donkey Kong and and you think Jesus and at the time just, I, just I'm just sat there going yeah yeah yep, this is fine how everything was as well isn't it? and you think about kind of how damaging that is to you know well, to everyone, really, but, you know, especially you're sat there as a teenage boy going, right, this is how things are then. Because games was my main interest, my main hobby. So that's how you're informed of stuff. You don't realise that all, all that stuff's being fed into you, right? But it was yeah. just all around at the time. But, yeah, sorry to jump in because we were talking about... But it just made me think about that, how the fact that you could have people sat there just think, oh, I'm just going to have some porn on the screen while, yeah. while you were Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's working? like, yeah, it's just totally ingrained in... Yeah, the culture and it just uh, and then yeah, kind of like the games industry as a kind of distilled, stinky little pot of <laughs> male sweat. Yeah, and urges. Yeah, focused at the s- urges of male teenage boys essentially yeah. at the time. It's mm. like yeah, it's toxic I guess is like yes. yeah. Well, there you yeah, go, yeah 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 um, and the amount of deep cleaning that's needed still, still going, going on, on. Um, needs a few more goes over with the yeah. with the mop and, the and it, it's like the, it is wider culture yes but yeah I think games was a distillation of a lot of the kind of the more poisonous aspects of that Uh, so immediately following this Tomb Raider gig oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all we were talking that's about yeah. I mean where did it go from there what was the uh, so I got sacked after about a year um, right. you've done every possible permutation of Lara. I think again I was still in that I was just a dickhead <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, I was giving you the benefit of doubt that that no, no, no. Again, it's one of these things you look back and you're like, "Yeah, you were a turd, man." 
Um, so it came to bite you a little bit? A little, well, I, I think I probably, I mean, yeah, I was still in this mindset of I am the lone genius waiting to be discovered. And I think I was just applying for jobs at the time. Right. And obviously uh, one of these applications somehow got back to Jeremy, the boss. Right. And he was like, uh, if you're going to apply for jobs, if you're not happy here, you know, uh, don't apply for jobs on work time. Mm, right. Bye. And I was kind of like, <laughs> well, fine, bye. I didn't want your stupid job anymore. <laughs> um, so, rightly, again, and obviously, yeah, I am probably like legally, I'm not sure whether that's how it would work, but I think, you know. Yeah. From his point of view and looking back on it, it's like, yeah, fair enough. Wasting his time. <laughs> sure. I should have got fired. Um, so, I was kind of. Um, out on my ear and then I spent probably a long time in kind of doing other things after that so playing games and doing a lot of my own work in my own time but I, I went and worked in I went on the dole for a bit right which was well I was living with my parents and you know parents are kind of fairly well off um, so the, the main problem with the dole was my parents being like sort your fucking life out Jim <laughs> and they'd be like oh mum not for the case. <laughs> um, right, sure. So, you know, that was hassle. And, and through that, I ended up working as a runner for an architect's office for a year, which was kind of interesting. And then through that, the architect's office I was working for, and this is all like in Bakewell in Derbyshire. And Bakewell, for anybody who doesn't know, is a tiny little tourist town. Quite um, posh, not as posh as it thinks it is, but... right. Um, but there was a little architect office there I was working for and they were helping fit an office for a, like a little new meet what would be now like a startup, but at the time it was just a new business yeah um, and then basically through them I was I think at that time I was kind of like oh shit I'm doing a job I hate because the Dole office has kind of put me yeah. onto this job and yeah uh, um, <laughs> So, were you still illustrating? You still drawing, illustrating at home? Yeah. So I was kind of doing all of this stuff in my spare time. But this this kind of new me- media, new media company, media company at the time. Um, I was like, I will make coffee. I will, you know, I'm already re- working as a runner. Yeah. What do I need to do to kind of get a break? Mm. Um, and they gave me a job. Um, and again, I think because they were small, because we were in rural Derbyshire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I went and worked with, and there were a couple of guys there, Tim Hutchinson, uh, who was the creative director, I think his role was, and James Ashworth, who was a graphic designer, um, who were just great, basically, like both really solid designers, um, and kind of took me from understanding, I guess at that time we were probably moving on to Photoshop, to actually being able to do a design and do right. kind of decent work um, so I went and worked there for a while I did CD-ROMs like for Lexus and so like back when people did CD-ROMs as a thing <laughs> right what do you mean by did CD-ROMs like what like we built stuff in Macromedia Director right and put it on a CD-ROM and you know and people like Lexus or 
remember fridge yogurts like f-r-i-j-j like did stuff for them um did stuff for uh property developers and stuff but people used to give out little cd-roms like either business card size things or actual discs with their promotional material before everybody like i guess this is before like complicated websites were a thing you could do because on a (laughs) cd-rom you could put video on it you could have a little like slightly higher level of interaction seems archaic doesn't it it really does see what yeah yeah like like you somebody would give you a disc now and you'd be like i'm not putting that on my machine are you insane (laughs) i'm gonna go home and find out what this yogurt's all about yeah well and yeah you wouldn't do that and you'd be like yeah this is clearly gonna be full of like north korean (laughs) spyware i'm not gonna use this um so did that for a while uh and then went and did educational software so like gcse uh support materials again kind of cd-rom type stuff yeah but doing illustration in my spare time do my own kind of graphic design this is a long ramble but um sorry (laughs) Uh, this is exactly what my wife told me not to do she's like just answer the question then shut up uh, (laughs) it's great getting tips from the way sorry lucy sorry about (laughs) everything um Shout out to my wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, I think we mentioned this earlier, like before before we started recording, but this was also like at the explosion of kind of people having personal websites and kind of stuff like PlayStation, these kind of like G-Monk and these kind of like experimental design websites and this kind of like nascent kind of online design community thing that was kind of kicking off at the time. Um, people doing bonkers stuff with flash so it's kind of part of that and kind of making connections through that um and i was illustrating i was doing a lot of kind of drawing uh so kind of getting into that and and around that time i was kind of like i want to be doing more of this and less of uh cd-rom support materials for a-level sociology yeah, or whatever, sure, which sure. was, you know, and it, looking back on it now, it was probably like a really meaty thing, but it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So I quit and went and did uh, an illustration MA. Right, so you just straight up... Just yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, just, I was just like, I need to change what I'm doing. Um, so I took out a massive loan and did an MA which was a massive waste of time <laughs> just like just ridiculous uh learn very little i right. think uh the course was in my opinion run by some good-natured people mm. and some good tutors and stuff but number one i would have probably been better doing a ba because right. i still didn't have that work ethic to make the most of an ma mm. um and I think they were quite happy to just take people on, have them pay. Right, fill in the spaces. Fill in the spaces. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with hindsight, again, fair enough. I, you know, I paid my bills and, you know, somebody, <laughs> there were a couple of guys on the course who were really good. And I like to think I magnanimously funded their MAs. <laughs> 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 I didn't. Um, but, 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 because I am luckier than I deserve maybe um 
I was in, so I, in my spare time, I was kind of involved in this kind of design community. I was spending a lot of time in particular uh, around a website called Pixel Surgeon. Pixel Surgeon was like the English hub of kind of what was hip and happening uh, in the UK kind of online design scene. So it was run by a guy called Jason Arbor, Arbonaut, who's still on the go, does some really great photography, and a guy called Richard May, who's an illustrator who probably pretty much, in my opinion, set about 10 years of like illustration aesthetic, right. certainly in the UK. Okay. Like, was, the stuff he was doing at the time was just like, everybody ended up copying him. Right. And I probably don't, you know, I don't think he really got the credit he deserves for that. But anyway, so they were running this site. Um, I was occasionally contributing. Um, through that site, I got chatting to a guy called Rex Crowell, amongst other people. Um, we were kind of, he was doing illustration at the time. He was working for Lionhead at the time. Um, and we were kind of um, swapping work and just, generally getting to know each other um in parallel to that i was doing this ma um or not doing this ma but you know that, that, yeah. that was what my yeah. my time was meant to be spending <laughs> and i went out uh one of my course mates i went out for his birthday thai restaurant in central london uh sat down next to this guy and his his partner um i was like oh yeah how, how do you know everybody oh yeah we, we kind of all studied it illus- I was asking him how he knew everybody. He was like, oh, how he knew the, the kind of the birthday boy whose name escapes. And he's like, oh, yeah, I met him studying illustration at Falmouth. Oh, what do you do now? Oh, uh, I work at a games company and I do a bit of illustration. And I was like, oh, it sounds cool. Who are you? And it turned out I was sat next to Rex Crowell. Um, like, totally unplanned didn't know we had mutual friends up until that point and he probably even introduced himself as rex and i hadn't twigged that yeah there can't really be that many people i'm gonna ever meet <laughs> called rex, called rex. <laughs> um so just like again just like one of these kind of totally fortuitous events met rex got on fairly well with him uh further down the line probably six months maybe even longer down the line um i'd finished my course i was trying to make freelance illustration work and it wasn't for a variety of reasons my girlfriend at the time was like you've got to start figuring out how to pay more of your share of the bills Um, (laughs) and rex kind of appeared and was like there's there's a ui role going at lionhead uh, and I was like, I'm mainly being poor. Um, <laughs> so he said, well, come along. And, I, and so I had an interview and found myself after probably more than five years back in the games industry, working at Lionhead, working on the movies. Yes. The PC game. Um, Quite the game. Quite yeah. the game, that. So, yeah, working with people like Peter Molyneux. And, yeah. and that kind of thing um, and again the games industry changed at this point um, I think Lionhead when I was there was probably more than 200 people it's right. a big big organisation and the Lionhead the movies team was 70 people yeah so from Tomb Raider and these kind of small yeah. 
less than 20 person teams, probably less than 50 people in the studio. Yeah. To That's a space of five years. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. Yeah. That, that five year period then, do you think it kind of, um, you, you got kicked out, you found these various jobs, the architect running job and the other bits and bobs that you were sort of like, but I'm not really, I don't like any of this. Yeah. Do you think it sort of gave you like a bit of perspective and you had that time to sort of almost like grow up a little bit and, and then when this, this opportunity came along in Lionhead, um, or number one, do you, think, do you think that was the case and then do you think it changed your attitude going back in when you saw, when you had this period of not getting back into the industry and then you had this sort of, almost like an opportunity in a, in a, in a more, uh, not official, but a more important sort of seam in studio, right? Whereas you say we've got the teams now and you've got this big building. Like, do you think it changed your attitude when you went back in about what um, you were going to do? Or were you the same? <laughs> no, no. Like, I, I had some concept of work ethic <laughs> at that point. And I, 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 I think that kind of like, kind of the corners have been rounded off my huge ego. Right. At the time, um, I think I was also kind of beginning to get a sense that kind of the UI stuff and the graphic design stuff was actually pretty good at it. Right. And I actually had opinions on it and right. I could back up those opinions and had experience of kind of like putting those things in place. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, so I, yeah, I think at that point I was kind of getting some idea of like my niche a little mm. bit more. Right. Um, and also, I think the idea that I wanted to do games, mm. but it wasn't necessarily like my birthright to do what I wanted. And, you know, there was a little bit of kind of back and forth with the rest of society, uh-huh. like turning up to your job on time and kind of all of that sort of stuff that was kind of required to make this work. Sure. Um, and I was probably, yeah. And mind you, I look back at myself last year and I'm like, Jim last year was a shit. What an <laughs> asshole. Um, so I do, yeah, I mean, looking back 10 years ago or however mm. long ago that was, I do kind of, I was better then. Right, yeah. Um, but still, you know, had room to improve in terms of just like. <laughs> sure. well, don't we all? But yeah, every day, man. <laughs> you know, if you'd met me yesterday, terrible oh, person. No, terrible I'm glad, person. I'm glad, I'm glad to put it today. And um, but then, you know, Maybe tomorrow I'll be better. Over the years, then, what's been your favourite thing to work on, would you say? Or some, or one of them, <laughs> if you can't choose. You see, they're like, right, okay, so it's different things. And there's stuff I am doing right now at Glowmade, which when it's done will be the my best thing you know okay. my favourite thing I've ever worked on tantalising uh, yeah tantalising <laughs> you know we're hiring by the way um, so I mean Little Big Planet was an amazing thing mm. to work on um, just such a lovely thing yeah. it's just a lovely game and a lovely is, experience yeah. and the vibe of it uh, and the artwork and you know Media Molecule was just and as far as I can tell, still is just a great place to work. Yeah. A really lovely bunch of people. Like just 
and that again that that was good for my ego because you're walking into a, a studio full of people and it's like any one of you could do my job yeah you know there are some really like super talented artists and designers there um and i you know i'm pretty good at what i do but it's yeah it was it was kind of constantly exciting to kind of go in and work with some of these people there um so what sort of work did you do on the little big planet what was the uh were you responsible for the sort of squiggly menu so i i did so about the time i joined so again so worked at lionhead they got bought by microsoft i lost my job as part of that process thanks microsoft (laughs) i went worked uh for a year at kuju strike zoe mode during that time what was essentially the line head r&d department left and formed right media molecule okay and they took rex with them as well so there's this bunch of people who i knew had kind of gone and formed them um so rex had been doing kind of ui on that uh, and it obviously reached a point where it's like this is a full-time role for somebody Hi Jim, how are you doing? Um, it was like, and I think so. It was just after their initial GDC announcement, where they did that kind of amazing video with the skateboard and stuff. Oh yeah, and yeah. Just like, wow. Um, and look, yeah, it felt like the next day, but it, you know, probably a couple of months after that video, yeah. I kind of got a call saying, "Do you want to come in and have a chat?" So I went in and had a chat and got that job. Uh, and that, that was how I remember I was actually I was out climbing uh, somewhere on the Yorkshire Moors but I remember just being in the like on stood on top of a boulder in this like massive kind of like field of bracken and knowing I was expecting a phone call um, from Siobhan Reddy and being quite nervous about that but then also having totally forgotten how to pronounce Siobhan because it's you know there's s-i-o-b-h-a-n yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those words which yeah. the spelling makes sense no and then just being like paralyzed when nerves <laughs> on top of this wrong <laughs> but then getting the phone call from Siobhan saying great you've got the job and just being very excited hmm. about that um more excited about Lionhead, probably more excited about any job I'd have had up until that point. Um, so, yeah, so you're working with this great bunch of people. Little Big Planet, again, not to the kind of the same degree as Tomb Raider, perhaps, but again, just because games weren't such a new thing, maybe. Yeah. But it kind of had this kind of like cultural impact slightly beyond the gaming press. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my mum used to send me photocopies of newspaper clippings and stuff like that because it was kind of yeah. appearing in her world. It was appearing in her newspapers. Right. Appearing in the kind of things she was looking at and that my parents were looking at. Had she previously thought much of that your career path in terms of it I being think viable? Like and a lot of these things, they, they, my, my parents, they understood Tomb Raider. Right. Because it appeared outside of the games industry. Um, And they kind of understood it was a thing. And I'd been doing it for long enough. Yeah. That, you know, I I was a grown-up and I bought my own food and paid my own rent and stuff at that point. So 
yeah, it was a case I, I think of, well, they kind as long of, as it's working, yeah. we're happy sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I think even now, I'd say, you know, I've said um, I could tell them what I would do and it doesn't mean anything necessarily to them. It's yeah. like, just in the sense of like, I'm fairly specialised in a fairly specialised industry. Yes, um, so it's kind of a, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, Media Molecule, great place to work, Little Big Planet, amazing project. Um, it's very, it's non-violent and it's kind of very pure and it's very yeah. sweet and that was kind yeah. of like a very lovely thing to work on. Um, so did LBP1, did LBP2, um, and LBP2 I think is like, I think LBP2 was where I kind of felt like I stepped up and designed the UI. I think right. LBP1 felt very reactive. Mm. So there'd be designers and level designers saying, we want to do this and we want to do that. And I, I felt much more like I was just designing a framework for them to put the UI they wanted yeah. into it. While I think with LBP2, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but... It, the, the interface for a little big planet one was really labyrinthine and complicated and mm. convoluted um and i think partly that was because we were designing little big planet one right up until the point it was shipped <laughs> yeah okay um well with little big planet two it's much more like we understand what this game is we understand what the sum total experience is and i was able to we were all able to kind of sit down a bit more and think what should this experience yeah. be yes um, and then design something for that experience rather than hmm. trying to design a container to thousand different contradictory ideas which is what we did with LBP1 um, so LBP2 I am incredibly proud of Hmm. Um, and there's me and uh, Coda in particular, a guy called Nathan Ruck. And we sat and worked for probably two years doing the UI for that. Yeah. Um, so Nathan Ruck's an engineer. I was doing the UI. And we designed the systems to build the UI. And there's all the kind of, yeah, and, and kind of people like Alex Evans chipping in with shaders to all your kind of wobbly line stuff. Um, yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a difference. I think a lot of people say um, when they come, difference between coming in halfway through a project or partway through a project and then going on to the next one where you're there from the outset yeah. and, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, yeah. sense of ownership compared to sense of uh, help, helping out even if you do loads of work you're like well I kind of came and helped yeah yeah, yeah if you're there yeah, from yeah. the start it's you feel like it's yours more than, than yeah do you a question do you see yourself being in games for life to make it not to make it sound too much like a prison sentence but <laughs> 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 I got life um, what is games what is life what, yeah, what is life? What is games? <laughs> um, or do you want to be? Would anything sort of turn your eye and, and there you go? Mm. I'm still fairly... I still value my own time and my own life outside of my job. Right. As much as Which my is job. I, I'm not... Yeah, I, well, I'm not... I, uh, I find it difficult to be, like, super career-focused. It just doesn't kind of come naturally to me. Like, okay. what am I doing in five years? What, what you know, uh, what's next on my LinkedIn profile? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because um, it's, not, it's not clear to me whether 
you had that when you had that five years out of the industry, whether you were constantly thinking, I want to get back in, or whether it just came back up and you went, that sounds cool, I'll do it. Were you always thinking about going back? Because you were still gaming at the time, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I probably played more games then than certainly more games than I do now, probably yeah. more than I did at yeah, any sure. other point in my life. Um, was it important to you that you created continuing games? Or no, I don't, I don't think it was, right. really. Right. Um, until changed? the opportunity came back up, and then I was like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, this is cool. Okay. I think, for me, there is no other industry where you have that kind of combination of kind of emotional engagement and artistic endeavor and scale and audience mm. and technical difficulty, then, you know, there's nothing else comes close. Yeah. And I kind of love that. Um, so, and I have done other things. And I will imagine I will do other things. But I, I, yeah, I kind of think like games keeps getting broader. Yeah. Um, so am I still going to be doing icons for console games? <laughs> ah. <laughs> Will I still be doing game-like things? Probably. Um, I mean, you and I talk a lot about, or have spoken a lot about, kind of like deluxe paint and <laughs> yeah. Photoshop, and you know, I'm I and Little Big Planet is part of this arc. Um, but I love creative tools. Yeah, I like helping people be creative. I like. Um, that idea of kind of unlocking nascent creativity mm. in people and kind of lowering lowering the barriers to that. And I think there's there's probably more lessons from games to be learned than from any other field in that. So, you know, I, I would love to do more of that. So almost linking to this, but finally, what's on your gaming career bucket list? Which might be a hard question for you, but I think I would I would still like to have run a game, so have directed a game, right? From that kind of level, um, I don't know that I necessarily have a specific thing. Um, I, I've done kind of stuff directing people, and I'm doing some stuff directing people now which I really enjoy I really you know I, I think as part of this like <laughs> um, this talk has been the story of my ego <laughs> <laughs> but I do you know I am now I'm now at a position in my career where it's like I recognize that in almost every aspect of the things I've done there is somebody who is better than me sure at doing those things and I would really like to be in a position where I can hire those people <laughs> and put them all in a room and say go at it my friends yes um so yeah that's something i would like to do more of i, I read a great um quote as part of an interview the guy who runs netflix whose guy whose name escapes me mm. but he was saying about like you know he hires to essentially make himself redundant 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. He just wants to hire people who are better than what he does to do those things better than he can do. Mm. Um, and I love that idea. I love that idea of kind of like building teams and projects yeah. to make amazing things. Um, and that kind of like higher level creative direction construction thing kind of frameworky thing I find kind of really interesting it's an interesting way of um, getting the best out of yourself by killing your own ego yes by going I'm going to surround my people myself with people who do each element of something I'm interested in better than I do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and make something much better for yes it. yeah and, that, and that, I think that's been something I mean, that's, that's like one of my more recent learnings lessons i guess was actually when i was working for sony sony proper um one of the big mistakes i made on there was kind of telling people what to do right as opposed to you know and, and being a designer and directing other designers which was new to me at the time yeah and because i'm me i learned by thinking I'm brilliant and then getting smashed against the rocks of reality. <laughs> um, but that, and, you know, and people from that time who knew me, they're going to go, Jim was an arsehole because he didn't trust us to do our own work and to be good at what we're good at. Yeah. But being a designer, I was like, why the hell isn't that blue? Make it blue. <laughs> when in fact I should have been like, is it meeting the goals of the project? Is it meeting, is the, you know, is the product owner happy? Are you happy? wicked let's go on and just keep going um so yeah so i think having taken that on board i'm now really into the idea of like well, all right then let's let's get these talented people together to kind of draw the box the outside of the playing field and just be like go to it folks be i like awesome. it um every day's learning process right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I no doubt, like, on my bike ride home, I'll be like, oh, I should have said that pithy thing. But um, <laughs> I'll tweet you afterwards. Jim, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. That was I appreciate fresh. it.